0: I'm really excited about this message this morning because um, it's been stirring in my heart all week long. I I come across the scripture and I thought, wow, I can build a whole message around this. And so I'm excited about it and, and hopefully God will bless you as he blessed me with it as well. We're going to talk about the anchor of hope, the anchor of hope. But I'm going to pray that God blesses this because there are some of you this morning that you might be holding on to things that's not the right thing. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But are you really holding on to this anchor of hope? And that anchor is Christ, okay? So let's pray that God just blesses us and it just opens our heart. God, I, I pray this morning for your word. I pray that, God, that you will anoint it. I pray, God, as me as your servant, that, God, that I will step out of the way. And, God, just let you have your way in my life. God, the words that comes out of me this morning, God, let them be your words, God, not mine. And I pray that, God, the hearers this morning, all of us, including myself, God, let our lives be transformed and changed by the power and the truth of your word. And we thank you for this time, for this moment, for this hour that we're together. Because, God, we may not be together just like this ever again, God. This is a unique time. We're all together here this morning, and God bless it and use it for your glory and your honor. Amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor David. Um, uh, One of my favorite phrases that I have used over the years is John Maxwell says it. He says, when there's hope in the future, there is power in your presence. I'm going to say that again. I want that to sink in. When there's hope in your future... There will be power in your presence. So in other words, if you take away a person's hope, the end's already in sight. There's no power. But when you have hope in the future, it empowers you to do something today in your life that that you normally wouldn't be able to do. And that's why the enemy wants to try so hard to take away this hope that we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about uh, the anchor of hope. The anchor of hope, now I just don't wanna talk about hope as the world talks about it and the way the world thinks about hope. The world says, I wish for this, I wish for that, I wish for this, but let's go to the word this morning and see really what the biblical definition of hope really is. Now let's look at it here. It says, in Hebrews chapter six, verses 19, it says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, so, in other words, when everything around you is chaotic, when everything is messed up, when your world seems like it's fallen apart, it's this anchor of hope that holds us into place. Now, I brought with me this morning my anchor. I have a boat, and Dennis got it with me this morning. He said, Do you want me to wash it or clean it up? I said, Absolutely not. Because this has got, this has been at the bottom of Monroe Lake, it's heavy too. I've, we have a boat, but, yeah, this, so, but this has been, this is probably over 25 years old. We bought it when Caleb was, a, 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 a huh? Yeah, he's 27. We, we got it when he was about two years old when we bought our boat. We got a Bayliner's fish and ski boat. We, have, we still have it in the garage, don't hardly really ever use it anymore. So I jumped in there this morning and I got this anchor out. This is the actual rope. This is the actual anchor. And this anchor has been in the bottom of Monroe Lake. So that mud that you see on it, probably a little bit of Monroe Lake mud. It's been in the bottom of Brookville Lake. It's been in the bottom of uh, uh, Raccoon Lake. It's been in the bottom of Lake Lemon. It's been in the bottom. I'm in Indiana right now. Don't get me out of Indiana. Well, he said, I've been down there. Well, I've got, got there. It's been in the bottom of Geist Reservoir. There's a little bit of mud there. Morris Reservoir. Cagle um, Mill. Mill. Um, Raccoon Lake, um, Hardy Lake, yes, it's been in the bottom of Hardy Lake, hopefully not very many times, <laughs> but, um, and then in Indiana, or in Kentucky, it's been in uh, Norris Lake, it's been in Nolan Lake, it's been in, uh, at the bottom of um, Barren River Reservoir Lake, uh, and in Tennessee, it's been in Parksville Lake. It's been in one of our favorite lakes of all times, uh, Del Hollow Lakes. Probably been in the bottom of Del Hollow Lake more than any other lakes. It's been in the bottom of, um, um, what's the one in Kentucky, a big one? Cumberland Lake. Been in the bottom of that lake. And this rope has always held the test of time. But whenever we're in the lake and it's windy or whatever, we throw this in the bottom, but we can't see it. But it's in the bottom. And I want you to think about this for a moment. This anchor represents God or Christ. And hope is the rope. Now, I can't see it, but yet I can hold on to it. And every lake that we've ever been in, that anchor has held us to the spot that we were supposed to be in. As a matter of fact, it's probably saved our lives a number of times. So we didn't run into other boats or get into areas that we wasn't supposed to get in. I remember that I was on uh, Del Hollow Lake and... Um, A game warden came by, a real bad storm came up on us, and we was in a fishing uh, group with men, Wimble wasn't with us, but a storm came up, I mean, it was really bad, and the game warden saw us out and and saw us heading for the shore to outrun the storm. He says, don't go in, stay out here. If you try to go into the bank, it will destroy your boat. You just stay out here, throw your anchor down, and, and, and don't get to the bank. And so we stayed out there, we threw the anchor out there, and it held us in place, that anchor Kept us in place. And this is the way it is with God. You see, when your hope is going to hold you through when all hell breaks loose, when all chaotic stuff starts happening in your life, if you're not holding on to the rope of hope and that hope is not connected to Christ, you're in trouble. You are in trouble, and so let's talk about that this morning, because God doesn't always, last week you heard me say this, God doesn't always fix our problems, because sadly in this world, you are going to go through problems. I wished I could tell you that you're not, but sadly you're going to go through problems, I go through problems, some of you are probably going through problems right now, but I read this to you last week, and I felt uh, that I should share it again this week, is God doesn't always fix our problems. Doesn't always fix our problems, but what he does do, he always gives us his authority over them. And that authority and that permission to hold on to hope, that is our hope. He gives us hope to knowing that as long as we hold on to him, that we can push through the storm, we can get through it. And so he gives us this anchor of hope, and this is where I titled the message this morning, is he gives us the anchor of hope, and that anchor is Christ, and the hope is the rope that's connected to him. Because when that that anchor's in the bottom of the lake, I don't don't have a clue. It's seen all the bottom of the lakes. I've never seen the bottom of any of those lakes. But that rope always guides me back. And there are some times that I don't throw it in the bottom of the lake. I throw it on the bank, and I pull it. And that anchor pulls me closer to, or the rope pulls me closer to the anchor. And so hope is real, church. It's something real that God gives us. As a matter of fact, David says it this way in Psalms. He says in Psalms 71 verses 14, but as for me, what does he say? I will always have hope. It's going to be consistent. It's going to always stand the test of time. I'm going to always have hope. I will praise you more And more. I have this hope. It's what I hold on to. And so, if hope is what we need, I really need to talk to you really quickly about what is really the enemy of hope because this is where many people land in their lives. They're listening to the wrong voice. And I'm going to show you that there is an enemy to hope that will try to keep you from having this hope and will cause you to live in this hopeless and helpless attitude in your life. Okay? Now, So isn't it great, though, when hope works, it's great. But when you don't have hope, it's discouraging, isn't it? When things start falling apart, maybe you get a sickness and you're not being healed or or something's happening, your kids run away from home or whatever, or they're not safe. And when it's not working out, it's really, really discouraging. And so let me go ahead and read you some scriptures here about Jeremiah, because if anyone was an incredible man of hope, Jeremiah was. Matter of fact, he writes the entire book of Jeremiah about hope. And remember, what's the most famous passage of scripture in, in Jeremiah? Jeremiah 29 11, y'all know it. What does it say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to what? Prosper, Prosper you, not to harm you, to what now? The there it is. To give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah knew what hope was all about, and he knew how to hang on to it, but he also knew that there was problems in life as well, and he also faced those. As a matter of fact, he got so discouraged one time, he writes an entire entire book of lamentations about doom and gloom about problems of life, and he got sidetracked, and I'm going to show you how easy it is for an incredible man of God to even get sidetracked. And lose his hope. Now let's read it here uh, in Lamentations three verses 19. And this was the problem. He said, right off the bat, I remember. Well, there's the first problem. I remember my afflictions. In other words, my problems and my wondering, in other words, my uh, mistakes or, and then bitterness, which is what people's done to me, and the gall. I well remember, he says it twice. I well remember all these bad things. And my soul is downcast within me. And so all he could do at this point in his life was remember all these bad things. And there are some of you this morning that you're exactly right there. And all you can do is remember all the bad stuff that's going on in your life. And the goal this morning is to get you to stop thinking about that and get you to start thinking about the right thing. But let's talk about the enemy first. There's three enemies that I find here that is the enemy of hope that causes hopelessness, that causes helplessness. And so number one, if you're taking notes, as Pastor Denny said, and by the way, you can go to version right there. All the points are right there. And right underneath it, you click on it, and it have notes. You can actually put little subnotes in there for you. And then you can take it home, and you can send it to yourself and whatever. So just take advantage of that. Take, how many uses that? Not on there. Well, let me check. Just use this. Just use the Bible, then he says. It isn't there. Imagine that. I apologize for that. I will have that up today. We'll see what's going on there. Something's not, something's not right. I'll take a look at what's going on, okay? Um, anyway. That's a distraction. Let's go to number one. What is the enemy of hope? The first thing it was for Jeremiah, it was remembering past problems. What is a problem? A problem is something that you have no control over. Maybe a sickness. Maybe uh, your, your spouse left you. Or maybe your house burns down. Or maybe your car tears up, whatever. But problems starts creeping in all around you. Or maybe you lost your job. And all you can do is think about all these problems. And you just remember them on and on and on and on. And not only did Jeremiah go through hopeless situations, but you can also find another guy by the name Job. The entire Bible, it's, it's all about doom and gloom as well. Doom and gloom. I mean, it reminds me of the song of He-Haw. How many remembers How's it go? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, and agony on me. That's the best I got. Anyway, I mean, remember that show? That fun. But here's, that, that's basically where Job is at, too. Jeremiah got himself there. Job got himself there. Let me read you this scripture about Job. I mean, he really goes off. In Job 30, verses 26, yet when I hope for good, you might be able to write to this, evil came. Oh, my gosh. Or when I looked for light, all I could see was what? Darkness. And so he's focused on this. He lost all his hope because of this haunting past that kept kept just dwelling in his spirit. And all he could do was focus on this. I remember many times in my life whenever I counsel people with depression... And I, 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 li- I don't like it that they're depressed, but I like counseling people with depression because God set me free from depression, and I understand it. I understand it very well. I understand what caused it. I understand how to get out of it. I understand it. But unfortunately, the individual has to, and, and it's a very real thing. It's very real, and usually depression is caused because of an event that happened to you a person or something happened, and it causes you to go into this depression. A lot of times, in other words, you you may be here this morning, and you were abused as a child. And all you think about is is what what they did to you. You're a victim of something. It's called called a victim mentality. And you're hurting, and because you're hurting, you want everybody else in the world to hurt. And you don't mean to do that, but you do, and you become very high maintenance every time you're with somebody. All you got to do, you're just constantly telling them about what's going on. You know, I didn't ask to be be born into a home with a mentally ill mother; it just happened to me, and because of that, it causes victim mentality. I have a right to be depressed because of what I was raised in. I'm just depressed, and I'm going to live this way, and woe is me. You didn't go through what I went through, and it causes this depression. And all of a sudden, so what I do is you begin to remember all of the bad problems that's happened in your life that was out of your control. And so the first enemy... The first enemy of hope, if you're ever going to have hope, is what? Remembering the past problems or the past uh, uh, things that happened in your life or that, that you couldn't control. Remembering those problems. And for, and for Jeremiah, he calls it afflictions here. And so now here, that's number one. Now the second thing that causes and kills hope is remembering past mistakes. Now problems you have no control over, but mistakes is what you do. You do have control over this. I, how many of you made a lot of mistakes in your life? How many of you ever said, I wished I would have never done that? You know, some of the, the worst mistakes ever happened, the comment that happens usually with a group of guys in the cab of a truck is usually something bad's about ready to happen when they say, watch this. <laughs> Remember that? Remember that, Pat? We're dry. Watch this, guys. I'm getting ready to jump off a bridge. Something bad's about ready to happen, right? But yet... And then we look back and we go, I wished I would have never done that. Maybe some of you, you, you saw something online and, and, and you wished you would have never done that because now you're wanting to keep going back and checking it out again and again. Or maybe some of you made a mistake and uh, you did something wrong. Maybe you, you, you was unfaithful to your spouse and you wished you would have never done that. And that haunting mistake keeps keeps coming at you over and over and over. And all you can do is think about it. And you know one thing I'm thinking about as well is when we live in a small community here, and it even makes it worse. I forgot how small communities knows everything about everybody about everything. And when you make a mistake in a small community, we've always lived in big communities. So when we lived in Greenwood, nobody cared. I lived in, since night, nobody cared. Oh, I moved to Scottsburg, oh my gosh. <laughs> Everybody knows. i mean, like, my goodness gracious, it's like, it's like death warmed over. It's like, uh, there was a prayer, a local prayer thing happening in the city. You'd have thought I was a death angel coming after the firstborn. We didn't go. I didn't know. Somebody said, what's in the paper? I don't get the paper. But it, just little small mistakes like that, oh my gosh. Oh, you're dirt, you're dirt, you're mud. And if you make a mistake, man, they're going to crucify you till the day you die. You don't, you don't have to worry about it. They Trust me, it finds you. But, but what happens is, is it causes you to constantly remember those mistakes, and it's very difficult for you to receive healing because about the time you think you've got it mastered and you're about to be healed, boom, someone will come back at you and say, ah, oh, yeah, I remember what you did. And then all of a sudden, condemnation and guilt comes back on you. Now, let me read you a scripture here, and this is not even biblical. Job lost his ever-loving mind when he said this. It's not even scripture. It's not even theologically correct. You could tell he just had a bad day. In Job 27, verses 8, I mean, he got to a low point. He said, for what hope has the godless when he is cut off, when God takes away his life? In other words, there's no hope for that guy. If you make a mistake, you're on your way to hell, and there's nobody going to help you. That's what he's saying. Well, I got good news. That's wrong. That's theologically incorrect. There is good news, and I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. There is hope, so don't, don't, don't listen to Job. That was just a bad theology. He said there's no hope for that person. He felt trapped, and he felt like he had no way out. He was trapped to his own mistake. Now, listen to me very closely. You heard me say the statement many times. Forgive is to set a prisoner free. Then to realize that the prisoner was really me. If you want to have freedom, you've got to learn to forgive yourself. And you know what? So, what if nobody forgives you? I don't really care. I can't control what they do. I got to make sure my heart's right with me and God. That's it. And and I'm going to show you how to get there, but as long as you remember your mistakes, the enemy's going to always put that in front of you um, and and bring your mistakes in your face. Now, when I thought about this, I remembered a story that I read (laughs) a number, I don't know, a couple years ago, and you can find it online, and it's about this father. You're talking about going through mistakes. You're talking about feeling this, uh, looking at something that he made a big mistake in his life. This father comes home and finds his 15-year-old son not there and finds this letter on the bed. Now listen to what he finds here. I'm going to read it to you. It's kind of, yeah. So when you think you're having a bad day, just remember this. A dad who returned home to find his 15-year-old son was out and his room looked suspiciously tidy. On his bed, which was neatly made up, was a folded piece of paper as a letter with dad written across the top of it. Alarms started going off in his mind. Paranoia went into overdrive at seeing the note, and he opened it with some trepidation. The letter read It is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you this letter, Dad. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and Mom. I've been finding real passion with Stacy. We're really in love, and she is so nice. But I know that you would not approve because of her piercings, tattoos, tight motorcycle clothes, and the fact she's much, much older than me. But, it, but it's not only the passion, Dad, that I really love her about. She's pregnant. Stacy said that, that we're going to be very, very happy together. And by the way, Dad, she owns her own trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. <laughs> We share the same dreams of having many children, dad. Stacy's opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. Well, or we'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people in the commune for all the cocaine that we want. In the meantime, well, we'll pray that science will find a cure for AIDS, dad, so that Stacy can get better. She's been really sick here lately. She sure deserves it, Dad. Now, don't worry, Dad. I'm 15, and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure, we'll be back to visit so you can get to know all of your grandchildren. Love, Joshua. Now, I'm sure the dad's lying on the floor, (laughs) crying. So he finally gets up, wiping the tears out of his eyes. What in the world did I do? He sees at the bottom of the letter, P.S., and it reads like this. Dad... None of the above is true. I'm over at Jason's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are more worse things in life than my school report card that's on the kitchen table. (laughs) Call me. Call me when it's safe to come home. Love, Joshua. (laughs) Some of you would have probably wrote that letter to your parents. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So next time that you think you're having a bad day and all your mistakes has just got you down, and you lost all hope, you feel hopeless, helpless, just remember this dad for a moment, okay? It could be worse. Just think about it. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. I, I did. But anyway, so so number one, what's the worst thing, or what's what kills hope more than anything? What killed it for Jeremiah? What is it killing it for us? Remembering past problems, things that you have no control over, constantly dwelling on it. And number two, remembering your mistakes, those past mistakes. The the, the key word is just remembering. We got to stop remembering or wondering. Now here's the third thing that causes hopelessness and helplessness, and we lose all hope and this is what happened to Jeremiah and it's remembering past bad relationships remembering bad past relationships somebody who's hurt you somebody who's wounded you somebody who's done something to you and and he says here with bitterness and gall in order for you to have a bitter heart it has to be caused by someone you have a bitter spirit because someone has hurt you maybe you were betrayed by someone Again, maybe you are here this morning, and you're, and you're a lady, you're a man, and you've been sexually abused when you were a child. And you've been holding this deep, dark secret, and you have this bitterness inside of you. And it's not, there's not like a day that goes by that you, you keep remembering what this individual did to you. And you remember that, and you're bitter, and you're angry, or maybe your spouse cheated on you. Or maybe you had a best friend that, that, that you got in some sort of a deal with or, or whatever. And, and, they, and they betrayed you. The ba- they betrayed your trust. And you're here this morning and, and you're thinking about it. a matter of fact, some of you, you thought about this individual before you even walked in this door. Hoping that maybe God could set you free. But here's the problem. You're never going to be set free as long as you keep remembering all about that. Now you can know it. But when you constantly remember it, I'm telling you, it will kill your hope quicker than anything. It will disconnect you. And what will happen is, as long as I hold on to the rope, I got the anchor. I'm not going anywhere, and that anchor is going to hold me. But a lot of times when we start remembering our mistakes, when we start remembering all the past problems, when we start remembering all of the relationships that, we, that failed us, we're letting go of that hope, and we're grabbing a hold of the wrong hope. Amen. And we've got to stop that. We've got to, we've got to get healing from this. But you've lost all hope maybe in, in, in the relationship or whatever. But Job chapter 19, verses 19, Job said it as well. He said, all my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. We all go through this from time to time. He said, I'm upset because of failed relationships. I'm upset because someone hurt me. Someone let me down. Trust me, I know. I know what that's like. I was on staff, and a pastor fell morally, and that wounded us. We lost everything. We had to eat the fruit of someone else's doing. And still today, there's still a strained relationship there. And I'm praying that God will somehow, some way, someday mend that relationship. I would love for him to come and preach here one day. But the relationship's got to be mended. The relationship's got to be healed. Yes. But I think God, I, I when when it first happened, if you brought the name up, oh, I'd go on for like 45 minutes. Hadn't forgiven it. Today I don't I don't ever talk about it. I've been God set me free. Healed me from that. And and I made contact and we've talked and I'm trying to, I wanted to invite him out to lunch one time and no response back. And so you can only do what you can do. But anyway, so, so this morning, I got some great news, though. So I, I, I just told you what causes you to live a hopeless life. Because we need to know what's causing it in order to fix it. Now I'm going to show you how to fix it. Okay? Now remember, remembering is what's causing you to live this hopeless life. You're letting go of your hope to the anchor, Jesus to Christ, you're letting go of that hope and, and you're hanging on too much remembering the past, remembering your past problems, remembering your past mistakes, and remembering these relationships that's let you down. Now listen to what Jeremiah says here. He turns and changes his tune as I read this week in Lamentations 3 verses 21 and 23. Even though this was a down, Debbie Downer book, he starts to see the light and says, wait a minute here, wait a minute here. I gotta stop this and I gotta stop it now because I understand what hope is and watch what he says here. Yet, this I call to mind. Okay, I'm remembering all the bad stuff, but now, therefore, I have hope. I'm gonna quit remembering all the garbage, all the bad stuff, all the mistakes, all the problems, all the bad relationships, and I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna start focusing on What God wants to do in my life. The hope that I have really in God. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed by all the stuff we're thinking about. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. And so we just talked about what causes us to lose our hope. Now I'm going to show you some things that we could do to begin to build our hope back up. And encourage us, okay? So let me show you three ways that we get our hope now that I found here. And number one is we have to refocus our minds. Refocus your mind. Now, this is intentional. Whose responsibility is it to think the right thoughts? Wow. Ours. Remember, a thought becomes a word You speak it. A word becomes an action, then we act on it. Action becomes a habit. The habit becomes our character, and our character becomes our destiny or who we are. And so in other words here, everything begins with the way that you think, the way that you think. And so we have to refocus our minds on godly things rather than the things that we're constantly thinking about. Don't let your past thoughts dominate your mind, church. Don't 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 let your past rule and reign over your life. You you're the only one that can stop it. And for me, with depression, I had to live in this. I had to refocus my mind, and that's whenever I began to change the way that I thought. That's why I always go to the mirror and I have the conversation with myself every day. I'll pull down the mirror and say, "Today's a great day. God wants to use you in such a powerful way to minister to someone else." God has created you for success and not failure. Today, you're gonna encourage your wife and be the best husband you can be to your wife. Today, you're gonna call your son and encourage him or whatever, or you're gonna encourage your grandsons or whatever. I just constantly go, and I I had to change and refocus my mind and start thinking the right things. Let me show you Romans chapter 12, verses two. It says, Paul says, let God transform you into a new person by changing, what? The way you think. David said it, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. And I know you hear us say this all the time, but I want you to have a different perspective this morning. I want you to read your Bible. I'm going to say that again. If you are a born-again believer, at some point in your life, because I know Christians don't do it. A lot of Christians don't read their Bible. They think, I got Jesus, that's all I need. At some point, if you're a believer, you're going to have to read the Bible. Now, there's a thought. (laughs) I know we laugh about it, but it's true. Christians, they think that they could just go on on the pastor's sermons every Sunday, and I'm honored that you would do that, but let me tell you, honey, there's not enough scriptures I could put up here that's going to get you through the rest of the week. You got to do it on your own. Open your Bible. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do. Find a scripture and meditate on that scripture. Okay? Philippians 4, 13, right? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm going to focus on that scripture for the day. And, before, and you focus and you intentionally start thinking about the scriptures. And I promise you, when you start thinking about the scriptures, what it's going to do when that anchor is on the bank, and as you see focusing it, you're going to get closer and closer to that anchor. You're going to get closer to Christ when you start thinking and meditating on God's word. And, you know, I'm also going to tell you this. You know, God God wants to do more in your life than just forgive you of your sins. Did you know that? He doesn't want to just forgive you your sins. He wants to cleanse you from your sins. He wants to wash you. He wants to completely wash them away. In Psalms 103, verses 10 and 12, now let's keep reading. Many are far away from the life of God. Why? He tells us why here. Because they have shut their minds against him. Let that sink in. They've shut their minds against God. And they're not going to get close to God. They're focusing on everything else. So this morning, I'm telling you, God wants us to refocus our mind on him. They've shut their minds against him so they can't understand his ways. They can't understand his ways. <clears throat> now, um, let me, uh, d- 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 we jumped there, d- Dana. Let's go back here. I need you to go back here. To um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. No, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you got it. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I flipped my own screen here. So here's the thought let's ask God, if you have a problem understanding God, ask God to help you. Ask Him. Take time to ask God for help. If you don't understand something, ask God and He will give you the understanding. There are times whenever I don't understand situations. I say, let's just ask God, God, what should we do? God, how can I fix this? God, I need to understand your ways. And I, I I gotta stop shutting against you, shutting my mind. But God, I gotta bring you into my life. I gotta have you here. Ephesians 4, verses 18. Many are far away. Let's go to the next one. Here we go. Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19. And may you have the power to understand. As all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand, but when we refocus our mind on God, you know what, he will start to help us understand. He will start to begin to give us understanding of his ways and experience his love for our lives. And so the, the number one thing, if we're gonna increase our hope, if our, we're gonna build our hope back, is we have to refocus our mind. And the, what you do there is you have to intentionally do this. Nobody's gonna do it for you. You have to intentionally do it. You've gotta wake up in the morning, and say, God, I am going to read my Bible God, I am going to pray. You have to do it. If you don't, oh, God, there's a Bible right there. God, read it for me. Can you read that, God? Not happening. You have to read it for yourself. For yourself. And so here's the second way focus your mind on Him intentionally. Second way that we get our hope back, and you write this down release your past. See, this is what we keep remembering your past. I want you to think about it right now. What is it in your life that you're constantly thinking about that's getting you down that you know you shouldn't be thinking about? You're thinking about it. Constantly thinking about it. Think about it. Think about it. And it's not bringing any good in your life. It's, it's trapping you into this spot. Listen to what Isaiah 43, verse 18, tells us Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Now, again, God God wants to cleanse this church. He wants to do more than forget. He wants to cleanse our body. In Psalms 103, verses 10 and 12, it tells us that. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us accordingly to our iniquities as far as the east is from the west. Think about this. What is it you're thinking about? He wants to cleanse you of it. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. God wants to cleanse you. God wants to make you new all over. In Micah 7, verses 18, let's keep reading. Who is God like you who pardons sin and forgives transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Release your past, church, and give it to him. Release it. Release it. Release it. Let it go. Let it go. I had to release this bitter, this bitter heart that I had for, for, the, for the person who hurt me. And do I get hurt still today? Absolutely. Man, I, I got, like, I'm a guy to got a target on me. Pastors got targets on them all the time. Because trust me, there's always something I'm going to do that someone's not going to like. And they're going to always boom right there. And the enemy, and he's good, and he's got arrows, and he's going to try to hit the target. And he's pretty well dead on all the time. But here's the thing, I have to focus my mind on Christ. As long as my heart is pure, as long as my thoughts are pure, as long as I'm innocent, as long as I love God and I keep serving God, then what can anyone do, do about that? Even your enemies will finally recognize that what they did were wrong. Because remember, the enemy has no defense against pure, true love. You want to mess the enemy's mind up? Just operate in love. Get in an argument one time with your wife, okay, or your, or your husband. And then all of a sudden, you're like, they go, like, I love you so much, baby. I love you. God loves you. I love you so much. And they're like, stop doing that. Quit that! Doing- I do. I, I'm so sorry. I love you. I, I ask you for forgiveness. I can't, you know, I don't mean it to be this way. I, I, I really love you. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray more. I, I love you so much, honey. You know what happens? The enemy can't, the devil, it gets confused with that. He has no defense with that. God's perfect love, because he doesn't know how to love. The enemy only knows how, how to attack. So just operate in love, just love, and watch what God will do. You ever heard, my dad used to say, just love him, son. Just love him. Just, didn't he, Becky? all the time. Just love him. And it works. Just love him. Don't get attack mode. Just love him them and watch what God will do. Release your past. Give it to him. In Romans 3, verses 22, God says he will accept and acquit. He's going to give us acquittal. Declares us not guilty. If we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins and we all can be saved in the same way by coming to Christ, no matter who we are or what we have been like doesn't matter what you do. God wants to cleanse us. God wants to wash us. Let me say it this way here. We're never going to have hope, church, until we get rid of the stain of yesterday. Because you're holding on to the wrong thing. You got to let go of the stain. You got to get it washed. You got to let God wash it. Yes, it hurts. Yes, I know it's real. Let it go and go back over and get back onto the hope. Of the anchor this morning. The anchor of hope. Is Jesus. Hold on to that. And watch what God will do. Because I promise you. The closer you get to God. The closer he's going to get to you. Jesus can cleanse your yesterday. So that you can start enjoying your day today. In Romans chapter 8 verses 1. It says therefore. There's now no condemnation. Amen. Isn't that good? I'm going to say that again. Yes. No condemnation. No condemnation. Again, when you live in a small community, oh, my goodness. They're not going to let it die, folks. But you keep your hands on the hope, the anchor. Don't you let go. You know, that anchor has never let us down. Every time we throw it underwater, it always holds us to where we're supposed to be. And that's the same way God is. We just have to throw it out there. And I don't see it, but I see the rope. And that's my hope, that I'm staying secure with that anchor. As long as that anchor and that rope's tied to my boat, I'm going to stay where I'm supposed to be. Amen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what do we do? Number one, refocus your mind intentionally. Number two, release your past. Let it go. Here's the last one. I'm done. Pastor David, come on. One scripture. I'm finished. Renew your heart how do I do that, Pastor Gary? You can't. Only God can do that. You have to let him know. God wants to renew your heart, but you have to let him. God, here I am. God, I need a new heart. Listen to what he says here, Ezekiel 36, verses 26. What a promise. I will give you a new heart. All the remembering you're doing of the past, all your mistakes, all your problems, all the hurt, all the people that's let you down. I'm going to give you a new heart. Are you tired of it? Are you sick of thinking that all the time? Well, let me give you a new heart so you can start thinking about good things now. Watch. And put a new spirit in you. (laughs) I will remove from your heart of stone that bitter, that anger, All the problems, all the hurts, all the bitterness. I'm going to remove that heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Y'all get that? I'm going to give you a new heart. Let God renew you this morning. Well, I said you got two options. You could either hold on to the hurts from your past or you could let it go and grab a hold Of the hope of the anchor that is gonna remain secure for the test of time. And there's been many times when that anchor was on the bank, and again, and I would pull that boat, and it would pull me closer to it. And there's some of you, you've let go of the anchor, you've let go of that rope. Now I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know who's hurt you. I don't know what you've been remembering. But it's time that you stop remembering the past. And it's time you let God give you a new heart. Be cleansed. Do your part. Be intentional. Because God doesn't always promise to fix the problems. But he does promise He does promise that he will constantly remain faithful. I'm going to read it again. Because I want you to get it. Think about this. God doesn't always fix our problems. But he always gives us authority over them to hold on to the anchor. You have authority to hold on. Don't let go. Don't let go. And I promise you, the storm will stop. I remember when that game warden said, "Throw out your anchor and stay out, stay out. Don't put your boat close to the bank. It'll tear it up. The waves are too hard. You'll tear your boat all to pieces, and you guys could get, you could kill you. Stay out here. I'm. At, you got I'm basically. I'm making you stay out here. You stay out and you ride this out. You put your anchor out here." The wind's going to try to blow you into the bank. No, you stay out here. And that anchor saved our life. It stayed it stood where it's supposed to be. And I didn't let go. My boat, I tied it on the boat as tight as I could. And tie yourself to Christ this morning, amen? Tie yourself. Hold on. Renew your mind. God will give you a new heart, amen? He'll give you a new heart. Refocus your mind intentionally on God. Number two, release your past. Let it go. I had to let go all the hurt, all the things that's happened in my life. And number three, let God renew your heart because he wants to give you a new heart. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I want to thank you for the power of your truth. And I pray that God for the next few moments that we're together before we go. I pray that, Father, that this morning we can let go of some things once and for all. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.